Hello, welcome to the Magic Musicals and Theatre Podcast with me, Alice Arnold. Today, my guest is, well, he sort of belongs to us, really. I don't want to sound possessive, but it's Tom Chambers. Welcome to the Magic Musicals and Theatre Podcast. We've got a family member <laughs> as this week's guest. Oh, I can't One believe. of our, our magic family members, Tom Chambers. I can't believe you've never been on my podcast. Really? I've had years and I haven't and I haven't interviewed you. Well, yet. maybe it's because I creep in and creep out again without really being noticed. Just come in. It's, and do you just you sneak in? Sneak in and sneak, sneak out. out. I think we're like ships here, though, aren't we? Yeah, we don't see each other much. So for me, I've I've actually never done a podcast. It's my first ever. I'm a virgin. Are podcaster. you nervous? I've, I can feel the adrenaline already, like it's the opening night. <laughs> Tom, you are about to start. We we'll talk about this more later. But you are going off on tour. Dial M for murder. Alfred Hitchcock. Yes. And you play. I don't think this is giving it away. You play an ex-tennis pro mm-hmm. who gave up his career for his wife but discovers she's been unfaithful and then... What do you do about that? What yes. do you do about that? What do you do about How that, far Tom? does the brain travel in the wrong direction? And if, if I jump straight in the deep end, the bit that's really interesting, you know when you watch Line of Duty and these crime, detective, murder, they, they, they've always been popular. I mean, my mum and dad love watching Endeavour and... I mean, I've just done a, a Midsummer Murders, actually, as well. But Vera, was... I like a Vera. Have you oh, ever done yes. a Vera? Oh, yeah. Are Went you... to drama school with... Well, not the same time, but... The same drama school as Brenda Blethyn? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love a Vera. Yeah, it's fair. I, I love um, I love the farm... Oh, well, we call it a farm car, but Land Rover Defenders. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's good. And the Mac and the, yeah. and the Wellies. Yeah. And, and you can follow the story and you know right at the beginning there's someone who's highly suspicious so you know it's not them. <laughs> Don't you? I love always. the, uh, the yeah. red herrings. They're always yeah. good, aren't they? Yeah. But so what? Anyway, what, back to Dalem for murder. What was intriguing is it's written in the fifties, and obviously it's it's a, an absolute world classic with it being uh, an Alfred Hitchcock film. Uh, the bit I couldn't get away from, a bit like our music, let's say our music, the family music on 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 the. I was going to say mellow magic, timeless relaxing classics. The writing in this Dalem is, it, it feels timeless, and. What's quite scary is that in society now, there seem to be there's an abundance of cold calling scamming. And the person on the end of the line is like, you're their best friend. And they're so, they're so warm, they're so welcoming, they're so friendly, they're so... And then you think at the end, I've, I've been had, I've been, I've been done. The point is, is, that, is that you can't necessarily detect who is, who, who is a slight... <laughs> sociopathic narcissistic behavior or someone who you know you think they're wonderful and actually they're not so i think this character tony he's like he didn't quite make it and then when he got married it just it just didn't quite go the way he wanted so because you have to try and find empathy for the character as well to make it believable and you have to sort of defend yourself mm-hmm. which is odd because yeah, yeah, yeah. you know you're in the wrong but you've got to defend your own actions you haven't started rehearsing yet, so we, we, let's go back mm. now, Tom. Yeah, thanks. Um, now, you were famous in Casualty before Strictly. If you watched Casualty. A lot of people do. They do, they do. It's a, it is a staple diet. Week, but people's it was diet. Strictly that really kind of stratospherically 
catapulted you, would you say? There was definitely a 15 minutes of complete and utter blinding, shining light on you at that time. Is that what it felt like? Oh, my word. It was like being transported to... It's like being an alien on a, on a on another planet, and everyone's suddenly aware of you being there and around. I mean, it, it was it was a fifteen minute moment, definitely. I well, don't, it was a bit longer than fifteen minutes. The the classical fifteen yeah, minute moment, but yes, it it was it was. I mean, it, it I I I still it tickles us constantly that um, it depended on what you watched. So I would go everywhere, and people go, "Oh, are you that bloke off Casualty?" And I was like, "No, it was, no, it was Holby actually." They go. Uh, were you on? Oh, it was Holby, not Casualty. It was. It's both actually. You, you're correct. Say, it was both. You are correct because they well, are linked. It was Holby back then, right? But since then, as Amanda Mealing, who played my um, my love interest, uh, the mother of my fictional daughter, it's quite complicated for my children to understand. I have a 12, mm-hmm. 12, 13 year old fictional daughter. Um, yeah, she 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 made the transfer from Holby to Casualty. So then I followed. Right. But at the time, it was only Holby or Strictly. All the time, I got people coming up going, are you that bloke from uh, Casualty? It's like, no, it's Holby. <laughs> or are you that bloke off Dancing on Ice? It's like, no, it's Strictly. <laughs> it's always close, but yeah, not quite yeah, close enough. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it, wasn't, it was the most... Yes, I mean, I've always had a, an absolute uh, joy and passion and, and uh, interest in uh, balance, tipping point, movement, rhythm. I used to love stamping on the on the kitchen floor when I was about five years old for the enjoyment of tap dancing. I didn't know what tap dancing was. Then I watched the Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly, matinee idol films, and and the key the key the key to this actually I've realised recently, having got my own children into Tom and Jerry, the box set, mm-hmm. is it's the music because I couldn't understand why why was I interested in musicals and that sort of that sort of golden Hollywood era. And I think it was because from a young age of watching Tom and Jerry, the music, the soundtrack, is basically like a musical. And it's got that same flavour, so you're doing adult things but to the same music. So anyway, I loved tap dancing, and I went to drama school. I was in the National Youth Music Theatre, uh, which is a, an amazing way of keeping out of trouble in the school holidays. <laughs> and it was the Edinburgh festivals, and it was kind of ticketing in the streets. It was proper grafting, you know, real, you know, Slumming it, as it were, and, and trying to get audiences and all that sort of thing. And But it was a brilliant national youth. So many pe- people have been through it. Idris Elba and the likes of so many. I can't even begin to tell you them all. Um, and then, yeah, drama school. But out of drama school, you basically, back then, you did it to get your equity card. And... So it was a catch-22. You couldn't get an audition That's without... That's right, without an equity card, and you couldn't get an equity card without having a job, so you were stuck. Exactly. Unless you did cabaret or something. Yes, like a pilot's license. Yes. Getting yeah. your hours up. Yeah, you did have to yeah. do that, really. And then they abolished that. But you still had to get an agent. An agent, you couldn't get an agent without them seeing you in something, mm-hmm. and then another catch-22. Uh, eventually, I got this agent who, who sadly... Well... <laughs> I'm saying this, but I mean, um, in two years, it was pretty much tumbleweed. I think I got uh, I got Bob the Builder the Arena Tour, which I turned down. Can't believe it. Were you going to be Bob, or something uh, I, less I than I, Bob, weren't you? Dipsy, I think. Okay, yeah. Tipper digger. And you thought about it and thought, 
No, this is not how I saw my well, career was, panning was, out. Re, yeah, small window. Yeah, uh, it was like two <laughs> joysticks. It was like flying a helicopter, making this machine come alive. It was great fun, but I didn't think it was acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I missed a part on the bill for not having an HGV license. I thought I'm never going to let this happen again. Rowan Atkinson's got one. Uh, Chris Eubanks got one. HGV licenses. Um, so I went. I went back to where I live in Derbyshire to and the got your local HGV. quarry. No. Um, and and I got uh, yeah I got my HGV license. Can you ride a horse? Because that's always useful. I can badly. Yeah. I fell off one through a barbed wire fence. Got the scars on my back to prove it. Uh, my not... sisters used to enjoy that, but not me so much. No, no. Um, so the HGV license, and and then of course since then I've never had a request for an HGV mm. driving job since then. Uh, so anyway, I then I then I thought my agent fired me because I didn't do Bob the Builder. I had no agent, and this was years later, having gone through three years of drama school, and my parents were saying, come on, it's about time you... I said, I'm just going to do one last thing. I'm going to write a letter to the Royal Variety Show. Dear John, literally, dear John, please can I come on to the Royal Variety Show in the days before YouTube and before all the online video thing. Um, can I come to the Royal Variety Show? I'm going to do a tap dance uh, with a drum kit thinking, what, what would a modern-day audience connect to? Because tap dancing, a bit old-fashioned. So it was a damsel in distress, and I recreated it, VHS tape, on pause, frame by frame. Um, and I made, made, a, made a floor, put up some mirrors, and, and, I, and, I, and I recreated it. And I, I told them, this is my idea, and they said, it's a great idea, get it ready. So I spent nine months, it was about 5,000 hours it took me, on my own, as like sea biscuit, trying to get this done. Three weeks before, I, you know, the Royal Variety, I, I phoned them up and I said, uh, I've got it ready. And they said, oh, don't bother coming. We, we, we're full now. We've got mime artists, jugglers, everything we need. Absolutely gutted. So I phoned my old school, said, can I just come and film it on the stage during the holidays? Because I've done all this work. I sent out a thousand copies on DVD, again, because of before online videos. Uh, 600 in the UK, 400 to America. Out of a thousand... I got two responses, <laughs> probabilities of numbers. One was a man saying, oh, I'd love to do a Fred and Ginger evening, you know, Fred, you know, vaudeville, come and do an evening, and, and, and that was just a one-off. But the other one was an audition at Holby City. And they said it's because they were looking for an American doctor. Um, now, Fred Astaire was American, so that guy, he must be American. Let's get him in. No, no dialogue in this tap dance whatsoever. Just silence. That's extraordinary, though, isn't it? Mm. So, and then what happened when they found out you went to America? So I went in the room, and they said, "Where?" Have you? I did. I did my best American. I really worked hard at it. And they actually said, "You know what? We think you're better than this. Come back next week and audition for this other part we've got in mind. It's a three-year contract as Sam Strachan." And they said, "They also said, where, where have you been?'" I said, I've been writing letters to you for six years trying to get an audition and get in the room. So it was literally, that that was a life-changing moment. I woke up every morning at 5am, had to get out of the house and go for a bike ride because my brain was so busy waiting for the phone to ring to say, have you got that job, have you got that job, have you got that job? Because, of course, I didn't have an agent. The the point of doing the role. So they were going to ring you direct? Well, at the same time I managed to get 
through this whole link of things, I managed to get a new agent. But the, the reason for doing the Royal Variety Show in the first was to get a new agent because I didn't have an agent. That is an incredible story of perseverance. <laughs> I mean, it really is. You know, a thousand. To thousand send DVDs. out a thousand DVDs, took five thousand hours, nine, and months. cost you lots of money as well. It certainly I did. Mean, it was not cheap. It, no, because um, I went in to get jiffy bags to set, to to post the DVDs. I got it down to five p a bag, and that's good. You go and buy yeah, yeah. a jiffy oh, bag. A, a like thirty five p yeah. a bag at the bet. I got a five p a bag, and then the DVDs themselves, you know. Having to try and get yeah. discount. I felt like I was on The Apprentice. That is extraordinary, that. What a story to do that. Now, you've got another fascinating story, which I did um, find out when I looked you up. Oh. Is uh, why you proposed to your wife when you did, which your wife was your childhood sweetheart. Mm. And weren't you in a rather nasty incident on a... Well, it, you're here, so we know how the story ends. Yeah. But... Yes, it was before the days they lock locked the cockpit doors on aeroplanes. So it was the year 2000, going into 2001. And it was a flight going to Nairobi, Kenya. My sister had married a, a fella out there and, and we were all going to go out and see her. I couldn't get on the same plane as the rest of my family, so I had to go on this other plane. And I, so I was on my own. And, um, yeah, this, this man was just delirious. He stormed into the cockpit and tried to crash the plane. And if you've ever watched Final Destination, the film... Hollywood movie, the way humans react when they think, uh-oh, your time's up. It, it was the most, and I wouldn't wish it on anyone because it sounds, oh, that must have been exciting. No, it wasn't. No, Just don't. how did people react? They were By and large. There were so many people from around the world on that plane and you could hear all the nationalities praying out loud in their own, in their own language, which was, so it was like a cacophony of prayer. Of people praying. Because it, so because, that was the first thing people did, really, was it? Or was... Oh. So they didn't scream mm. and panic, they prayed. Well, I mean, you could just tell something wasn't right because suddenly the plane... It was five, five in the morning for the UK, but 8 a.m. over there. So it was broad daylight over, over mm. in that. So you could, you know, there was plenty of... It wasn't in the dark or anything, but the plane just suddenly veered... It went on for two and a half minutes because autopilot, and because it was that time in the morning, UK time, the pilots were asleep apart from one. So you can imagine he's there, this man comes in, he goes for the other controls, any movement on the controls knocks the autopilot off immediately. So this man is pushing down while the pilot is pulling back and pulling up and he's shouting for the others to come in. And it was actually the passengers in first class, upstairs, double-decker, who actually came in and got their... their their arms around his neck and stuck a thumb in his eye to drag him out of the seat. But in that time, yes, some of the... I used to say, oh, all the gas masks fell, came down and beep, beep, beep. Mm -mm. But uh, no, they did actually fall down accidentally. They didn't all come down. A trolley went down the aisle and smashed into someone's leg. The, because I mean, of the movement of the plane. Well, it, was, it, would, it would bank and then it would go straight down. So the tip... I had a window seat as well on the downside, the bit where you're seeing the, lat, the ground coming up towards you. And the tip was so far over. Apparently, we were a couple of degrees from doing what they call the roll of death. I don't think I can ask you any more about this because I am going to fly shortly. Oh. And, uh, I'm now finding, feeling a bit strange about Safest it. Safest way to travel. Let's, don't worry. Yeah, I know. Let's, Absolutely. let's And they locked the, that... lock the doors now. And we were four seconds from apparently don't... a point of no return. And we were all very, very lucky. Very lucky. And thank the Lord that yes, or whoever, whatever. And then you thought, 
right, can't waste any more time. <laughs> I'm going to ask this woman to marry me. Was that sort of what happened? Or that was, I mean... Was I did, that just a story? I did think, I really hope she calls me, at least, to say, are you all right? <laughs> Which she did. But to be fair, at the time, it was still far too early for us to get together. We went to the same school. Her dad taught me geography. Oh, that's sweet. And... Ten years later, I went back to the school to do, like, a theatre thing. It was promenade outdoors. She was backstage in the crew. I was on stage. And I saw across the room and I thought, wow, is that my old geography teacher's daughter? I can't believe it. She's grown up. Oh, so you weren't childhood sweethearts. You didn't, you didn't go out with her when you were at school? No. Yeah. We were just at the same school together. Yeah. And her parents, um, her dad taught me. Um, and then... So that I, and I told my mum, I said, Mum, I think I've met the girl I want to marry, but it's too early. I'm only 20, you know. And, and, and so she said, well, you should at least tell her because otherwise one day you'll meet her in 10, 15 years' time and she'll say, oh, I wish you'd told me because I felt the same way. So I did tell her, freaked her out because I said, not yet, in about seven years. I want to marry you. Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah. Had you been out with her by this stage at not all? Not at all. Not at Seriously, all. not at all. Nothing. You just saw her and saw thought, her. Thought I want to marry you. We had one kiss. We we had a kiss, and I, I thought, and that was it. Was first no conversation, person. just a no kiss. kiss. <laughs> um, and I and I yeah, I told her, and so I, I said, yeah, I don't want to freak you out. She she said that she actually had written in her diary when she was thirteen. One day I'll marry Tom. Not that this is sci-fi spooky movie. No, but that's like fate, isn't it? <laughs> we just had our eleventh wedding anniversary. Actually, oh. we got three. That's a, just a brilliant what? story. Brilliant story. Wow! Yeah. This is your next play. We're trying. Yeah, you know, it's lovely. Um, now you've done lots of. You were in Emmerdale as well, and then you, you baddie in that. You you do good looking baddie. I think this is oh. the thing. You see, we look at you. We think, oh, he's, he looks nice, handsome. He's oh. evil. Underneath is evil. Evil and twisted and yeah. dark and... and, yeah. and He's a wrong well, Lots of actors want to play a baddie. Mm. And after Strictly, I was given the opportunity to play a real horrible Machiavellian baddie as, uh, on Waterloo Road as a, an executive head, even though I didn't feel qualified to drive a car, never mind being an executive <laughs> head of a school. And I, I hated it so much. It made me feel ill. They oh, wanted, They you? wanted me to stay on. Because when you're doing 15 hours a day, because it's, it's a 12-hour day, 7 till 7, and then you're having to learn your lines for the next day, especially when you've got loads of lines because you're playing the head, you've got lots of talking to do. And, and I was very like, but not as, not, as, not, not as good a quality. The Last King of Scotland, um, the actor on that, whose name escapes me, Forrest Whitaker, mm -hmm. he said he couldn't wait to take that cloak off of the character he was playing because it was so dark. And, and it does, it has an effect on your, I think, your soul and your happiness and blah, 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 all that thing. Mental health, basically. So I didn't really like playing the villain. But also people will come up to you um, because it's a, a running drama um, and probably be horrible because they <laughs> yeah. do believe that. And I, I've had friends who've played baddies in things yeah. like EastEnders or whatever. Yeah. Their life is a misery. It I is. mean, it properly is. They yes. go into a pub and everyone's like, don't yeah. like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think, it's a drama. Yeah, it's not but real. It couldn't, it's, you are taking a bit of a risk. A little bit, yeah. I mean, at least, the, the, now the difference between the Max on Waterloo Road and Clive, Clive. I was only given a Christian name, yeah. no surname. The character I played on um, on Emmerdale, Clive, uh, the difference was I was trying to do it like Catch Me If You Can because he was an art scammer. 
I mean, he was he was a, he was one of those lovable rogues who was in jail for you know a bit of did a bit of time, but actually a bit of a you know trying. So I was trying to be trying to do it in a charming way. So that that made a difference, rather than definitely being a baddie. So what are we liking more, the long-running TV dramas or stage? The difference is so remarkable. The beauty of being able to do um, television uh, or radio is the fact that you make a mistake, you can go again, and you can delete the information and it's a fresh new day tomorrow. With theatre... The beauty is you're sharing a once-in-a-lifetime experience with an audience. It is so palpable. Is that the right word? It's so... You can feel the mm. energy in the room and you're all, you're all living in the moment. And I think it's very, very good for your health. I, we, when, if we had to do a, a donation thing at the end of a, a, end of a play or a show, I'd always say, we're like the entertainment doctors, you know. But then we're hoping to do th- you know, things for real doctors to help, help society and whatever. Um, but I sort of thought it is like that. It is a bit of medicine going to going to the theatre. Um, it's a shared experience, you see, yeah. which television, film mm. can be a shared experience if you do it, go to the cinema. But television, by and large, not shared, and you may be with one other person. Even then, you're also afraid to laugh in the cinema a little bit more. Whereas in theatre, because it's mm. like there's someone on stage and they're right there and they're talking to you and then they're pointing at you yeah. or they or you feel like they are, then you, it can make you much more responsive. But the only thing with theatre is that, wow, you have to be an athlete, especially if it's musical theatre. You, your, your body's got to be 100%. You've got to look after your ligaments. You go into ice baths. You've got to look after your nutrition. You think you can have five meals a day of anything you like, but you can't. It's got to be slow-release energy. I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a science. And, and then you've also, whatever the weather, um, flu periods or something like that, or colds, or you've got to sing through it. You've got to work out techniques. If you've got something in your throat and you're about to... <clears throat> and you've got to maintain it while you're halfway through note D flat or something singing on stage and then you've got to look after your lungs when you've, when you've finished dancing to be able to start talking or going to singing and then the key thing is you've got to stay plugged into the content you can't let it go you've got to keep it in your brain because you're going to the next place the next week and the next week and so you can't you can't let go of any information so you never actually step down until the contract is over <gasps> I'm exhausted with you I know, describing so, it. Um, but it's wonderful. Here, now, listen, I read recently, this is a sort of a rumour, but they were suggesting replacements for Ardlo Hanlon in Death in Paradise. Did you see this story? No. No. You, <gasps> I'm not saying you've got the part, Tom, because I, I can't break that to you. Well, you were listed as one of the six possible replacements under nothing but rumour, I You're have to kidding. say. I don't think this was based on any fact at all, but you were suggested that you might... Now there's a gig because oh, basically right. you get to swan about in the Caribbean it's for a life, while. That's a yeah. That, that but it's a golden wicket. It it's a nice gig, but it would take you away from your little ones. Yeah, and, and your that's, missus. That's why the other chap actually stopped anyway, isn't it? Because he couldn't bear to be away from his family. Which oh, which I also that's the other tiring or rather slightly emotionally exhausting part of theatre, especially if it's a UK tour, is that you're week to week, and Saturdays. But you could take, because you've got three mm. little ones. One of them's very little. Yes. The other two both started school, have they? Uh, yes, eight, five and one. Because uh, I was going to say, you, otherwise you'd just go to the Caribbean with all of them. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, there is homeschooling and I think Claire would be very good at it. <laughs> so maybe there's still a chance and opportunity yet. Yes. That would right. be the most amazing. That would feel like Pirates of the Caribbean, because that's the one thing I'm very jealous about that film. Anything you get to, 
to to be in a film where you or or anything is like by the sea by anything even even um Dr Martin anything by the sea right, I love yeah. being by the sea cold freezing water. even cold sea oh yeah no I'll just take the warm sea for me yeah. um now when do you start rehearsing Dalem for murder we start on um uh, well basically December um so we're having to cut through Christmas and New Year oh, we're, we're working New Year's Eve and New Year's Day New Year's Day? Yes, we are to rehearse. Are you? Because we open on the 13th of January in Richmond. Right. Okay. So, Christmas. Well, there'll be sort of line learning and stuff going on while you're eating your turkey. Yeah, and there's not enough rehearsal time to line learn, so I'm doing that now. You're going to go in off book, are you? 80 pages, yeah, off book. Okay. But but without preconceived ideas, because that's the yeah, as you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trouble is, you learn them and then, yeah. Mm. But you probably do need to if you haven't got enough time yeah. to, you know, because you need to know where, you and also, go, where you're going to say them. Just where know, will you move? Know them in the mirror, yes. <laughs> yes. So what will Christmas be? You've got Christmas Day. At home. Obviously. Yes. So Christmas is at home. Yes. With the little ones terribly yeah. Magical, excited about terribly, it. Yeah. yeah. But you'll be hosting it or do uh, we go to... Yeah. Your family are hosting? We will, uh, we've, we've just done a bit of work at home where we've just opened a, a few, you know, taken that middle, that, that we had a 1959 house with that wall in between the dining room and the kitchen and we've got rid of that. It's come so down. We can share the experience, which it is. It's the heartbeat of the house, isn't it? The mm-hmm. kitchen. Yeah. So you should all be in the same room while it's all happening. It's, you know, theatre at home. Yeah. It is in ours. So you'll all be there. So yeah, we're we're at home. We'll be together and having a wonderful time and getting ready to open on the thirteenth of January at Richmond. Yes, and then going all over, including Dubai. That's a that's a surprise. That is, it was a surprise to all of us. After Basingstoke and wherever else. Yeah, we're going to be in Milton Keynes <laughs> Milton on the Monday. Keynes, Dubai on Dubai. Saturday. Milton Keynes do. on the Monday. Yeah, that yeah, is. Yeah, that will be a you. Your body temperature thing will be a bit awry. South End, Dubai, Milton Keynes. Perfect. How about it? Perfect. Come on, get your tickets in. <laughs> all over the country, all over. You Anywhere you can possibly imagine, we're going to be there. It's 204 performances. It's something like 33 weeks, that sort of thing. It's not that I'm counting, but yeah, um, I do have the information to You're hand. looking at your schedule now. Well, good luck with it. Can't wait to see it, Tom. I mean, thank you for thank doing you. a podcast. Way overdue. Well, thank you. It's, it's kind of to say now. that. We're finishing it now. Thank Done. you. That was Tom Chambers talking to me, Alice Arnold, on the Magic Musicals and Theatre Podcast, the only podcast, really, that you ever need. And that was the last podcast of this season. We will be back in the new year with more treats for you. <laughs>